When I record podcasts, I like to stay hydrated. Who knew talking could be so hard? My favorite drink to have to hand is Lifeline's Hydro OG. It's a tried and tested product for me. It helped me and my team complete a 24-hour podcast, giving us the edge that we needed to get over the finish line. So whether you're at the gym, on a bike ride, or just trying to get over that night before, Lifeline's Hydro OG has got your back. Each serving is stocked with all the healthy ingredients and vitamins you could ask for. There are a great range of flavors, and with each serving at only 18 calories, you really can't go wrong. Here at the Shrewsbury Biscuit Podcast, we like to support local, independent companies and brands, and Lifelines is a product that I am proud to endorse. Go to lifelines.com. Now that's L-Y-F-E-L-I-N-E-Z.com to find out more. Now, without further ado, here is today's episode. Hi guys and welcome to this special edition of the Shrewsbury Biscuit Podcast. Um, we're set up at uh, Shrewsbury Arc today for this one and I'm joined with the amazing Katie Rink from My Shrewsbury Magazine and this is an episode designed to take a look into the lives of the people that Shrewsbury Arc um, help. Uh, there are a few uh, subjects in this podcast that people may find a bit upsetting uh, and there may be a bit triggering for for people but nonetheless uh these are the issues that these uh the, the, the users of the arc face every single day and um this is to start off a a collection of work that uh we're going to start working on with the arc with my shrewsbury uh we can't say too much but this is just the start i mean this was just uh, me introducing myself getting the microphones into the arc and um Showing people that the shoes with biscuit is 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 for every literally everybody, um, and it's nothing that uh, that the users of the arc should be afraid of. Um, so this is a great episode. I hope you enjoy it, and um, yeah, I really do appreciate your feedback or your support. If anybody wants to support the arc in any way, uh, please follow them on social media, Shrewsbury Arc, and um, you know, give them whatever support they need, whether it's volunteering at the arc or you know donations, what have you. Um, but yeah, thank you so much to to the guys at the Ark and to to Katie as well for joining me on this one. I hope you enjoy it. Also, as well, I want to make you aware of a couple of events that we're talking about this week. Uh, the first one is the Drawn event. Um, uh, if you followed the biscuit for a while, you'll know that um, we've been working with Drawn for the last few years, uh, for right from the very beginning. Uh, it's a collection of some of uh, Shropshire and a bit further afield as well. Some great artists um, that will turn up and they will um, they'll be selling their wares, uh, but speaking to people. But there'll also be artists there as well doing their thing um with uh, gary drew likes to come along and 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 paint if you don't know what gary drew's work uh the pink flamingo on the side of the seventh social he's one of our, our greatest artists that does a lot of work around here um so he'll be there doing his thing and the shoes biscuit will be there too we're going to take some cameras and some microphones um it's a great event it will be at the on the flax mill on the 29th to the 30th of april so that's drawn make sure you check out the facebook page Uh, it's literally just drawn and it's got the beautiful um orange logo there also the next one is the an evening with the dirty rocking scoundrels on the 13th of may it's a great event it's a charity event we're featuring one of the midlands greatest bands um it's put together to raise money for uh kate vaughan's london marathon attempts um to raise money for whiz kids um and it's just 10 pound admission um it's at the shrewsbury high school uh, in town on town walls there it's a cheap evening with a great band. You're raising money for charity, and there's a great bar there too. You can't go wrong with this event. Honestly, you, if you've never seen the Dirty Rockin' Scoundrels, I promise you, promise you, you're going to have a great night. Anyway, look, guys, I uh, hope you enjoy this episode. We'll go into it now. Peace out, folks. I've hit record. Um, so we're at Shrewsbury Arc. Uh, by my side, I have, I have K- 
Katie Rink of My Shoes Be Fame. Hello. Hello. And Emily, I don't know what you are. What's your role here at the Ark? I'm the chair of the trustees. You're chair of the trustees. Yeah. Um, so you, you're here pretty much every day seeing everything as it happens before your very eyes. Yes, not every day anymore. I have been recently, but less and less. I'm a volunteer, so... Oh, that's fine. That's, that, <laughs> that's, that's fine. You're allowed a day off. <laughs> <laughs> um, were you here before the Ark moved? Yes. yes. Yeah, yeah, I've been a volunteer for 10 years. Oh, I haven't spoken to the Ark since you guys moved. I think I spoke to you guys a couple of years before. How was that move? Um, it was, it was, well, it's just been an absolute blessing, but quite a scary and traumatic blessing. But yeah, we're in a much, much, much better venue, yes. as you can probably see. Much yes. bigger, so we can welcome loads more people. I was very surprised as I walked in here how many people are here helping out. The kitchen was buzzing. There's so many users here. And what we're here today is to talk to you guys and to talk to the users today. We've, we've, yeah. we've got a user of the Ark today with us. Would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners? No? Uh-huh. You're nervous? Yeah? Well, what we're here to do today is we are here to give you guys a voice. I want to hear your stories so that we can understand more about your world. Um, where we can talk about the good things, the bad things, the Ark, what, what that offers to you. Do you get a lot of help from the Ark? Yes, uh, with the, the, my washing and uh, having a bath, a shower. Yeah. And uh, food as well, in the breakfast and the dinners. Yeah. The breakfast smelled amazing this morning as I as I came in. Um, are you here most mornings for breakfast? No, I, I call by uh, a couple of times a month. A couple of times a month? Yes. Okay. And you're, you're just Shrewsbury local or do you travel around? Travel around. You travel around. And um, what's the situation with you? Are you sleeping on the streets or do you have some, do you find somewhere to I, stay? I sleep by the railway lines or by the rivers and uh, wherever I can bed down. Oh. Where have you coming from today? Um, I come from Wolverhampton today. We never know where... Do you mind if I use your first name? Are you all right with no. that? Or would you rather I didn't? I'd rather you didn't. Okay, so... We're very, very fond of this person here, and we always love it when he comes to visit us. But you, we never quite know where you're coming in from. You go all over the, the county, don't you? Yes. Yeah. But you struggle with the buses, don't you? Yes, I got banned off the buses because of the, the way I, I used to cross-dress, and there were complaints, and then I, um, I was no better when I toned down. They said I was this and that, and I... And the, the bus driver told me that people will not travel if I'm travelling on the bus with them. And uh, and they were talking on, on the website. They they got a website for um, talking about mechanicing, and uh, they were having having me over some chat fit line or whatever. I don't know what it is. I haven't found out, and I, I never find out what what they were talking about. And people were, were calling you names, weren't they? I think yes, yes. quite cruel. And how does it make you feel when people treat you like that? I just try to hold my temper and, um, and that's, let it go by. Is this something that you see every day or is it just every most, now and again? Most days. Most days. Do you see any any kindness at all? Do you are people? Some people are, but uh, they're then they're queuing the shop and making fun of me, or you know um, this and that, and spraying. I was in the library and it was spraying the, the room where I, where I was, and I had clean clothes on. So. How hard is it when you're sleeping out there to look after yourself and stay clean and do all the basic things you need? Well, I don't stay clean, do I? I just... I don't know. Stay a lot cleaner than I would. Pretty impressive. <laughs> and I think you can tell you've got an amazing sense of dress, dress sense. Um, yeah. Always, always in a stunning outfit. <laughs> And we, we were trying to look for a nice dress for you, weren't we? Yes. I think I'd yeah. love to see you in, in a dress and for you to be feeling good about yourself. Yeah, but... Um, but people are cruel, so... I think discrimination is cruel in 
any any form of society. Um, and if you want to, if you want to cross dress, if you want to dress, wear dresses, then by all means, please do. You know, do what makes you feel happy. And yeah, I was a lot happier. Somebody said that how much happier I was, but I, it's it's just impossible to please everybody. And how many years have you been without a roof over your head? Thirty years. Thirty years, and that's in the winter as well. Trying yes. To, gosh, how do you manage in the winter? A great difficulty. I do have jobs. I just finished a little job. Uh, six days work, and that which come to an end. What what was what was the job you did? Um, Laminues. Oh wow, that's fantastic! Bringing life into the world. Yes. Yeah. You, love, you love plants and animals, don't you? Yes. You bought the most beautiful hyacinth in for us, didn't you? And I know you, you're interested in the bit of gardening that's been going on. No, I'm not interested in gardening after that accident I was in. Yeah. Can you tell us about the accident? I was on a bus. I was going to the races and I, and I had the tickets to go to the horse racing. And, um, and halfway going there, a car ran into the bus and I was in a seatbelt. The man fell from behind me, and I, um, I sort of didn't realise that he had hit me. And then the police come, and I said, well, I got a headache, which I had a headache by then. And the police woman said, do you want to go to hospital? I thought, I want to go to the races. I never went to hospital. <laughs> and I regret now that I never went to hospital, because... I was in severe pain that afternoon. I never went to the races. I turned back. I just couldn't face it because I had a headache. And then, I, then that afternoon, I had pain. And then I went to the hospital the following morning, and they said, "Oh, you, we can't do an X-ray." And that, and then they found out that I had a, something missing on this thing in here, and I. And I said, well, I've broken my collarbone, another other collarbone, and this this has got, now I've got something missing here, some, I don't know what it is. And they said, um, and I told them straight, if it wasn't for me getting on that bus, I wouldn't be like this, and I've been in pain ever since, from a terrible today it is. It's hard to get um, proper healthcare, isn't it, when you're moving around? And yes. It's difficult to see a doctor. Yes. When was the last time you saw a doctor? Oh, when I saw them in last November. Yeah, in the hospital. Yeah. Sorry. Um, can I ask you about um, other uses of the of the Ark and um, you know people you see on your travels yes. in similar situations to you? It, what kind of community is it like? Do you guys uh, are you kind to each other? Have you got friends that you see now and again? What is it like for you? Um, I haven't got many friends in Shrewsbury, but I've got some away. And um, no, it's not. Some places aren't very good because um, the one in Yorkshire, I said, "Oh, good morning" to them, and they all ignored me. So I don't go there much now. So what's the furthest away that you'll go to when you're travelling around? Inverness. Oh my goodness me. Do you go on the trains or is it the bus? No, I don't, I don't lift there. I uh, somebody takes me there to Inverness. And do you have people around the country that you can do a bit of sofa surfing with and go and stay Yeah, with? sort of thing, yes. Well, you're very well travelled. <laughs> you must yes. get a lot of culture when you're on your travels. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So what about Shropshire? What do you think? Where's, where's, tell us some of the kindest places. Where do you get the best help from, do you say? Or well, have a, a meal at the, um, the cafe Palmer's. Palmer's, yeah, go shout. Yeah. Yes. And that's, all, that's the only places I go to in the Ark. And, and the Ark, I like it here in, in some ways. And they're kind to you at Palmer's, are they? What, yes. What do you like to eat there? I just have a cup of coffee. That's all I have, actually. That's um, it's really nice of them to do that. Um, what kind of reception do you get if you go into into businesses or shops here in Shrewsbury? Are people kind to you if you walk in, or if you go and ask for things, or you know, if you if you're around? I haven't got much experience 
I'd only go into Marks and Spencer's. <laughs> You're a bit Wait. shy, aren't you, to go in some places? Yes. I remember when we were talking about getting you some clothes and you hadn't had some great experiences, so... Mm. We're still trying, aren't we? Still yes. trying to find the perfect fit for you. Yes. <laughs> and did you grow up in Shropshire? Is that where you No, Hereford. Hereford. So, so what brings you to Shropshire? What, what drives you here? Is it the Ark itself? Oh, I got a sort of a part-time job around here. but uh, Is that far, a farming job? A job um, yeah, here I'm riding horses. Okay. So is that, was that your background? You've got some... Yes, I worked in Newmarket when I was 17. I worked in racing stables on stud farms. And so when, when did it kind of come unstuck for you? When did you lose a roof over your head? Oh, I got into trouble and um, I'm still in trouble. <laughs> not with us, you're not. No. <laughs> um, well, I think, I think it's, it's, it's magnificent that you've travelled so, so much of the country as you have. You've travelled far more than I have, for sure, yeah, across yeah. the UK. Yeah. With what little you have, it's actually quite inspirational, I think. Yeah. Um, if anybody is going to listen to this and they're in a similar situation to you where they don't have a roof over their head, they don't have much, what advice would you give them? Take every day as you can and just hope that you can get into a better um, environment. Um, so do you, do you have some positive memories and experiences from all that travelling? Are there, are there times where being outside is, is, a, is a positive thing for you? Um, or there's one certain person who's very good to me. Uh, I go and help out with their horses and we go to the races at Kempton and Lingfield and Market Raisin and um, might go, be going to Newcastle in full long. Thank you so so much for, for speaking to us today. It's been really nice to meet you. you. Have you. Have you got any more questions, Katie? I was going to, I would like to ask you how you protect yourself. What things do you do to. I, I did have a, one of those, um, what's the name things, you know, but the, and nobody about, is there? What, like a, a, a oh, rape alarm? Kind yeah, of sort of thing, yeah. Um, I had one, but I haven't got one now. What, what kinds of things have you learned about like where to sleep to keep safe and, and what to do with your possessions? Well, I don't know, just, just hope I'm all right, that's all. Do you, do you have a sleeping bag that you carry around with you? Yeah, I do, but I haven't got it with me today, left at the other place. And do you just kind of shovel your stuff to the end of the sleeping bag to keep it safe? Yes, yeah. Is that how you do it? Yeah. Mm. Do you have places away from shelters like this where you know you'll be safe and you know you'll be able to get sleep without being disturbed? Yeah. Secret places that you've learned over the years? Uh, some, yeah, a cave. There's a cave? Yeah, I know where a cave is. Which county is that in? I'm not saying. Uh, he's keeping it a secret. <laughs> yeah. He's like, this See, is I'm my very cave. Secretive. I'm very secretive. He said that because of when that horse went at a certain race meeting and we were talking about this, um, somebody we met, I know who they were, they were quite well-known person and they were talking to me and I said, oh, um, so-and-so will win this and I, and I said the name of this horse and that and uh, anyway, this horse wins and they said, uh, they come to me after, they said, you're the man in the know, aren't you? And I said, yeah, I did know something. <laughs> well, you've got a lot of knowledge, uh, and a, lot, yeah. a lot of skills. Mm. Yeah. Right, is that you. what makes you happiest, going going to the races and seeing them? Yeah, was, uh, horses getting killed is what I don't like. Like, we had a horse, one place I go to, there had a horse. She had a heart attack, and, and that wasn't very nice. Yeah. Mm. So it's part of like seeing like the Grand National things. Yeah, like, when and then doing another in the National because the two I did it in one year they're synchronized and something Pete, um, they both got killed, and I'm, I'm never going to do another horse in the National because yeah. it breaks your heart to see that oh, happen. Oh, yeah. disgusting! And it was what what happened? 
Well, thank you so, so much for, for speaking to us today. It's been really nice to meet you. you. Have you. Have you got any more questions, Katie? No, just to thank you very, very much for thank talking you. to us today. It's lovely to meet you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you very much. Would you guys like to introduce yourselves? We had a conversation before you guys sat down. Uh, yeah, I'm Andy. Um, I'm part of the Hepatitis C uh, team. Um, so we go around. Well, do you want to introduce yourself first? Yeah, yeah, I can do. Um, so I'm Jamie McLaren. I'm um, the peer support lead for Birmingham and the West Midlands for the Hep C Trust. Um, and as part of that, basically the work we do, um, we go out into lots of different community settings, such as the ARC, um, all over the place really, um, pharmacies, prisons, hostels, um, and basically we take the testing to the people rather than expecting people to come to us uh, just because we understand um, that the community that we're dealing with generally aren't very good at you know caring about themselves um, that they're not really good at getting to appointments um, they don't follow the same kind of um, you know trackers as everybody else might do especially if they know they've got something wrong with them yeah, yeah, yeah. that can be like a really scary thing so sometimes them actually going to ask somebody about it can be really scary so we place ourselves in these um you know organizations to basically find people who put themselves at risk wow um how long have you guys been doing this for individually sort of um i've been doing it for 18 months now um yourself yeah. Jamie I only started in January so I'm very new at this okay so we've got two different perspectives then so we've got a year and a half here and we've got just brand new so we start off with year and a half experiences and people that you've met along the way well we've also got two another two different experiences I've got lived experience of hepatitis C um, I contracted hepatitis C myself through um, I'm an ex-user um, so you know I, I've got that I'm coming from that point of the same people we're the same people uh, we're targeting and um, so a little bit about the hepatitis C trust first really uh, it was it was yeah. it started in the year the idea formed in the year 2000 there was four guys in London in a coffee shop realised there was all diagnosed with hepatitis C um, they realised there's only five, over 500 uh, under charities for HIV and there was absolutely nothing for hepatitis C and any information that they did get was either really misleading. Um, so the idea was formed in 2000 and it was off the ground in 2001. And it's developed into the largest peer-led organisation in the world. Wow. Um, so, yeah. Uh, but also, I suppose, like, you know, we're threefold. Um, we test, we treat and we educate. You know, because there's a lot of stigma around hepatitis. As there is a lot of sort of um, illnesses and diseases and things that you you may read about on Facebook or you hear off yep. your friend or you know, and yeah, yeah. Um, well, what's the most common uh, misconceptions with? Um, well, there's lots really, but uh, I suppose you know people. Um, I wouldn't say so much ignorance; it's just lack of education and uh, like thinking that you can catch hepatitis C from sharing the same cup. Or, or cutlery or something like that. It is a blood-borne virus, and um, you know it's predominantly injecting drug users. Um, you know, so we try. We also do training. We try to educate people on on the yeah, infection routes and, and things like that, and uh, and also the new treatment because the treatment back in the day used to be horrendous. You know, it was a form of chemotherapy, and uh, you could you, know, you had to inject yourself for a year take a tablet every day and most people were bedridden uh, for a year and it was only 60% clearance rate so you could go through that for a whole year and you could still be positive at the end of it you know whereas today you know treatments come on leap and bounds it's one tablet a day for either eight weeks or for uh, 12 weeks depending on your genotype and it's 90 just over 97% clearance rate um, yeah, absolutely amazing. I've been doing it 18 months and I haven't met anyone who hasn't cleared it, you know, so... Uh, and how I, dangerous is the disease, It's The thing with hepatitis C is your liver has no nerve endings, so if you you get no pain, there's no pain from it, um, and a lot of people won't get any symptoms, they can have it for 15, 20 years, and by the time you develop symptoms, it's the later stages, which it can be deadly. 
you know, you can get cirrhosis of the liver, cancers of the liver, um, you know, so the earlier we, we, we pick up on it and the earlier we get it treated, the better. Wow. Sorry, I was just going to say, how helpful is it, do you think, to the people that you're seeing, to, for you to be able to say, uh, I've, I've been through this? I've oh, massively, massively, you know, because, uh, um, I mean, when I contracted it, I was really scared about the treatment because it was the old treatment. So being able to educate people and say, actually, it's just like taking a vitamin every morning. You know, I didn't have any side effects. I just got up, took a tablet. Three months later, I, I cleared it. Like. And that's that's really, really important, isn't it? Because, like, you know, when we think about the, the, uh, the HIV, mm. uh, is it, was it a pandemic or an epidemic? But, you know, the, that, um, that era where people were making things up, they wouldn't be in the same room as yeah. someone with HIV. People were getting discriminated in the workplace because of HIV. Mm. I bet you've seen a lot of that over the years. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like, um, like I was saying, we have been into places and where staff has said, oh, I need to test, I drank out the same cup and you know to begin with it make you a little bit angry but it's just lack of education and you've got to understand where they're coming from you know they just don't know so we try to educate and all that as well and but even with HIV nowadays the, the, the treatment for HIV is that good you can't get rid of it but you can get the viral load so low it's undetectable you know, so and and generally, people have been diagnosed with HIV nowadays and take the, uh, the tablets. They change their lifestyle, so they're living longer. You know, it's not a death sentence as what well, as we knew it. Like you know, amazing, amazing. And I feel like the work that you guys are doing. You know, Jamie, you've just come into this now. Um, you are transforming lives in a way that you know, like you're saying, like you know, users, people that might come and see you guys didn't know that that help was available before and now they do they can come see you guys and get tested regularly yeah, yeah. definitely and, and I think as well it's it's <laughs> very non-judgmental we are relatable we like Andy was saying we're the biggest peer program in the world because everybody who works with the Hep C Trust has either had Hep C or has an understanding of Hep C or has you know had an addiction themselves or understands the lifestyle um, and so when we're dealing with very vulnerable people um, hopefully we're creating like a really safe environment it's non-judgmental they don't think they're going to be punished or told off um, you know and, and we end up getting a really good rapport and relationship um, and actually we're always looking for peers as well so people who have um, contracted hep C they've cleared it they've had the treatment they've had support from ourselves what we'd like to do then is then support them into our peer program and then you know ultimately gets that in, gets them into paid work that's what we want to do that's why the peer program is, is so important is that how you've got into this Andy through the through yes, the peer yeah. program yeah yeah yeah. And what difference has that made to your life? Uh, massively. It's given me a purpose to get up in the morning. It's given me the opportunity to come into wonderful places like this. And uh, so, big shout out to you. I think it's absolutely amazing what you do here. Um, you know, and, and, and I hope you get as much support as you need. It. It's absolutely great. Uh, you know, yeah, it's given me a purpose. I'll get to meet different. So not clientele, but different people every day, you know, and, and also we try to like, break the stigma of addiction as well, you know. Um, I mean, nobody had aspirations to be an homeless addict when they was young. You know, everybody's got a story, you know, but how many people, you know, take the time to actually stop and talk to that person begging on the street, you know what I mean? They, they might throw a pound in, but nobody really stops and tries to understand who they are or what they've been through, and everybody's got a story. You know, so uh, have, you, nice have you spoken to people amongst along your travels where they maybe they had a negative view, and you've kind of helped them understand this this situation? Uh, yeah, again, you know, um, you know, certain people that might work in certain fields, you know, they they've got um, they look the homeless addicts, and and you know, even just in day to day life, chatting to certain people. I mean, I've had it, uh, people come up to me and say, I never thought you was an addict, you know, and uh, I'm still an addict, I just don't use anymore, you know. I still have to address issues daily and, uh, you know, to make sure I don't pick up again. And, and, you know, it's just trying to get a bit of understanding out there and educate people as to, you know, everybody's got a story, everybody shouldn't look down on people unless you're helping them up, you know, really. And uh, I think society would be a better place if we all had that attitude, but unfortunately we don't, you know. Yeah, a bit more compassion. Yeah, definitely. Um, you say you travel to places like like the Ark here today, and, and you say prisons as well, and different places. Where do you think 
you're needed the most amongst your travels, along your travels? It's a difficult one to say because the community that we support, they're very transient, so they are moving from place to place all the time. You get lots and lots of people. We just um, met a gentleman now who's travelled the length of the country. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. So um, it's difficult to say where the real need is. Um, obviously, um, people are more populated in a city, so it's probably easier to, to find people in a city. However, what we find is in areas like this where we're very rural, um, it's really difficult because there's lots of pockets of people that we have real difficulty accessing. Um, but what is amazing as well is the Hep C Trust actually um, also employ people that are still using. So, because the reason for that is that the only way sometimes that we can get into the pockets of people that aren't accessing drug services, that aren't coming to food banks, that aren't coming to organisations such as the ARC. They just, you know, in flats, they're, they're very isolated. Um, it's almost like, impossible to try and get into those, those groups of people. Yeah. So if we are, you know, if we're working alongside people who are still in, you know, in that situation, um, but that they, they, they don't want to be, that they want to make a change and, and we see that, you know, they're going to be, um, you know, really, really good person to work with us. Um, it leads us then to other cases and if we can treat people, then what's happening is they're not going to be passing it on. So we want to treat the people, we want to get rid of the hep C. So if they are sharing any kind of equipment, they're not going to be infecting other people. Because reinfection's a really big thing with hep C. Even once you've had it, um, you can actually get it again. Um, although you'll get the antibodies in your system, they don't protect you from getting the virus again. No. So again, it's it's that education that we really need to get out to people. Um, yes, I've had it once. Oh, it's okay, I'm immune. Well, actually, it's that's not actually how it works. Well, we all saw during the pandemic how people make up their own rules <laughs> of things. <laughs> and um, yeah, <laughs> we're all schooled on that over the last few years. Um, it's really nice that you guys have a very compassionate approach to this because there are people we've been uh, we've been talking me and Katie about what we're doing here for a while. Uh, we had a meeting last week and we talk about people that fall in the sort of grey area, fall out of the system, are, like you said, aren't going to doctors, aren't seeing people, so they they might actually be reintroduced to the kindness of treatment yeah. through folks like yourself. So it's really positive what you're doing. You know, because sometimes people can can be judgmental, whether it's a doctor, whether it's a, you know, wherever, wherever they're going. Sometimes there is that that kind of judgment. You guys are kind of really compassionate, which is nice. And what you'll find as well is a lot of people have probably had really bad experiences with medical professionals um, over the years, feeling like they're you know a drain on society, or you put yourself in this position. There's going to be lots of professionals that have said things to people that will just be a massive barrier and I think god I'm not going again you know last time I got treated really horribly um, so with ourselves we kind of like try and be the link in between themselves and the nurses and I mean the nurses that we have in this area and in lots of different areas in Birmingham and in Stafford and Cannock and Stoke we're so so lucky the nurses that we have are just like ourselves so although they haven't necessarily come from a lived experience background they just want to help people they don't care how somebody's got themselves in that position they just want to help and make things better and save lives nice um if somebody needs your help or maybe even wants to help you guys out how can they find you so we uh hepatitis c.org.uk Yep. Um, or just Google Hepatitis C Trust. Um, we are uh, we have an internet presence. Um, so other than that, it's just yeah. And um, we're at the Ark every four weeks. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So today, every four weeks, we are here. Uh, so if anyone then wants to come down, and generally, if somebody needs help and support, if they come down to the Ark, the Ark have got our details. Even if we're not going to be here for another three or four weeks, we'll absolutely come down. I've got to say. And this is going to sound really terrible, by the way. But I'm in company, so I mean, I was, I'm pleasantly surprised today how welcoming it is here. And that's not that's not me coming in being judgmental. I was kind of like, I'm kind of really, I feel comfortable here. I don't know about you, Katie, but it's, it's all right here, isn't it? You know, if you want to walk and get advice, you're good. Oh, places like this are a lifeline. It's absolutely brilliant. And, and uh, you know, I was going back to being judgmental. I've met a guy here today who lost his job last week. Um, he, was, he was working last week, he's lost his place to live. Uh, you know, especially in today's climate, people were probably one or two mortgage payments away from being in the Yeah, I've heard that so, a lot, yeah. 
you know what I mean? So, you know, so just trying to be a bit understanding about people. And like you say, this is a brilliant place. It's absolutely brilliant. And, and some of the nicest people I've met are homeless addicts, you know. Uh, they don't, you know, they, they do what they have to do to survive, but they don't really want to do that, you know. And um, yeah. it's unfortunate that, you know, they're in that position. And uh, sometimes just need a little help up. And like I say, places like this are a lifeline. I've been here twice, and it's, and, and it's beautiful what you do, absolutely beautiful. And, and people are so nice here, yeah, really are. Yeah. Well, I'll pass that on to the arc. We're just here to ask questions okay. today. <laughs> I thought you would. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, have you got any more questions, Katie, before we... No, I just think it's amazing, Andy, that you are willing to share your story to help other people. It's Thank really you. inspiring. And um, you're clearly brilliant at it. He is. <laughs> you both are. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you for chatting to us, guys. Thank you. Oh, nice guys. to meet you. And thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you. Well, it's one from the Shrewsbury Biscuit podcast today, and uh, this is Katie from My Shrewsbury, and we're trying to we're trying to capture some voices today from the Ark, from the from users of the Ark, and from staff too. May I ask about your 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 situation? How long have you been um, using the Ark for? Well, I've been homeless fifteen months now. Fifteen months. Yeah. May I ask what happened? What, what, how, how I did was you evicted. Um, thing is, I suffer from schizophrenia. Okay. My partner died, and people were coming in my flat, using my flat to smoke their drugs, basically. Okay. They used me. I had no control over it. I felt completely useless. It's called you know cuckooing, I mean? isn't it? Cuckooing. Yeah. Yeah, people use your property. Yeah. And I lost my flat. They evicted me. So I'm banned off own point. I oh, can't wow. get... Um, what's it called? Like Viking housing and stuff like that, can't get that. Oh no! So I'm a bit stuck. I've got to go private. So for the last fifteen months, have you been like sofa surfing, or have you yeah, actually been so, on? Yeah, f- well, I've been on the streets, but sofa surfing at the moment. Um, you were just showing us a picture of the cutest bird on your yeah, phone. Yeah, she's my bird, but she's had to stay with somebody now. Of course. Yeah, yeah. So I'm trying to get her back as soon as I get somewhere to live. Yeah, I was going to ask about pets actually because sometimes you see um members of of, of, of this community with, with dogs yeah. or, or, or with, uh, with pets um is that something you've you've considered before having a pet with you no just me bird just your bird just me bird i don't yeah. want a dog or anything like that no 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 um what is shrewsbury i mean like obviously the predicament you're in at the moment is not the best of, yeah you know um as a place to be in your situation, what's Shrewsbury like? I like Shrewsbury. This is where I want to live. Yeah. I was in Oswald Street before. You were in Oswald Street. I don't want to go back there. No. I don't want to know the people there. I want a new life, you know what I mean? Oh, that's, that's very positive that you've realised that they're... Yeah, they're not my friends, you know what I mean? There's a pocket of people there that were negative influence, mm. maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Has the Ark helped you since you've been here a lot? No, oh, it's been great, the Ark. You know, I can do my washing here, I can eat, get meals here, clothes. And, and where are you sleeping at night at the moment? I'm sofa surfing at the moment. And how many nights have you had outdoors in all that time? Oh, about seven months. In the open air? Then? Yeah, yeah. Wow, so where, do, where have you been going to find... Well, I was sleeping in Oswald Street on the streets. Gosh. Even in the winter? Mm-hmm. My goodness, so how do you keep yourself safe? And well, I used to go to a, a skip that was um, behind a charity shop and they always chuck duvets out, so got a duvet. Um, okay, I, I don't want to, I don't like traumatise you and take you through negative memories and stuff, but can you take us through a night? What does a, light, a night, how does it go for you when you know you're going to be out in the open air? Oh, it's you... horrible. It's not. It's not scary. I'm not scared. No. But I hear voices, so it's really hard. You know, when, you, when you're on the streets. You... Have you got medication you're supposed to take? Yeah, I've got medication. And you, you, have you always got that? Other days you miss your medication. No, I, I always take it. Always take it. That's yeah. good. That's good. I'm glad that you get that help. Yeah. Because um, I imagine it's not easy. No, no. It doesn't get rid of the voices. No. Um, it just makes me calm. You know what I mean. So when you you know you're going to be out in the open air. Yeah. For the night. Is it a case of finding somewhere to stay or do you know where you're going? Oh, I know where I'm going. Yeah? Yeah. I just sleep in a doorway. Yeah. And 
can you just go straight to sleep or, or I mean what is no, it no no I'm usually awake yeah yeah just cover myself and stay awake do you get really bored on the street yeah you've got nothing to do how do you kind of fill all those hours we just sit there really move the time to go do you talk to people now and again yeah when I'm begging yeah and do you find that because now obviously people don't really carry cash I know yeah so that must make begging incredibly difficult yeah it is hard what other ways I'm sorry we're firing all these questions at you I just genuinely I really want to know about this yeah. because this might help people you know understand and have a bit more compassion for somebody in your in your situation yeah that's what we're trying to do today but um, what other ways are people kind to you? Um, you away from giving you money? Could people food, make they give me food. Yeah. Uh, I've had sofas to sleep on. People have let me stay. That's nice. Yeah. Is that strangers? Random people have said... I've no, from, no, people I know. Friends have let you stay. And can you strike up a conversation with people in the streets? Do they... Members of the public... Now and again. Now and again. Do you feel that they look at you like a fellow human being or like... No, like <laughs> like dirt, really. <laughs> yeah. Oh. And how does that make you feel when they... Oh, it's horrible. It kind of hurts you. Yeah. I had one bloke that jumped out of his BMW. He had his wallet in his hand. He'd run over to me all excited and I thought, oh, yeah, I'm going to, you know... He'd give me 13p. Why? Why 13 feet? That's what I mean, yeah. Is he being rude? I think, think so, yeah. Taking the mick, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. That's rough. Um, but places like the Ark, you know, I feel I feel this is a nice place. Yeah, it's great. Um, how often do you do you come Every here? Every day. Every day. Yeah. And is it nice to see people Yeah, it's here? nice to mingle. You've got friends yeah. here? Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. It seems like a nice nice community where you you know people, see familiar faces, yeah. know you're not going to be judged, that sort of thing. No one in the same situation, yeah. Um, sorry, go on. So what, what's the future hold for you, do you think, from here? You know what, honestly, I can't see a future. It's really sad. Yeah, I, I can't. Is that there's no future without a roof over you? Yeah, I need to get a house so I can get my bird back. It's horrible. So tell us about your bird. You talk Ma- Maxi Moo Moo. Maxi Moo Moo. <laughs> Maxi Moo Moo. How old is Maxi Moo? She's eight. And she's um, a very sweary bird by the sounds of it. She does swear. She swears. Yeah. <laughs> um, she shouts out, help me as well. And that's not good. You can hear it down the road. <laughs> what support are you getting here from the Ark? I mean, I, mean, I know you said that you can wash your clothes here. And I, I've smelled the food. The food smells amazing here. But do they offer you support in other ways? Yeah, Ursula's wrote a letter to the council about my situation. And I haven't even bothered to get back. Why is that, do you think? Is I it, don't know. Is it just their overloaded? I've got a housing officer there. And she hasn't even been in touch with me. Right. Is it just takes a long time to get through? Or? Well, no. I mean, I tried to phone her last week and they said she was on a 29-day holiday. But she still hasn't been in touch. Right. And will the ARC help you with that? Then? Yeah, yeah. And they help with the deposit and everything for a flat. And uh, we heard, was it yourself that was on the phone to Pip? Are you still on the phone to Pip now? No, 40 minutes I waited. 40 minutes. Does that happen a lot for you? All the time, all the time. So you have the, these services like Pip, and you, if you have a problem and you need to get in touch with them? I've, oh. I've rung Pip about six times in the last two weeks. And I've waited about 40 minutes, 50 minutes to get through. And that is, is, that, is that on your own phone or do you come to the yard? No, on my phone. So people from PIP expect you guys to be able to have your own credit to be able to ring. Yeah. So you guys, you know, if you didn't have that phone or you didn't have the ARC to come and use, you'd fall right in a grey area where you couldn't actually get in touch with people yeah. you needed the help from the most, could yeah. you? Yeah, that's right. That's really sad. Can you just explain for the listeners what PIP is and what they do, what they're there? No, it's like a disability payment. Yeah. I get it because of schizophrenia. And why did you need to contact them today? Oh, I had a review and me, me form hasn't come. So they're resending a form. So do you feel that you're constantly battling this kind of oh, ad- all the time. admin? All the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It sounds exhausting. Yeah, it is. 
You know, because you're awake all night by the sounds of it. Yeah, yeah. You know, because of my voices, it, you know, it's really bad. To, I, I can't get to sleep at night. Yeah. So I'm awake for about four or five days, and then I'm that tired, I fall asleep. And then I'm awake again for four or five days. Do you, you have days I mean? when, you, when you're more manic than others? Yeah, yeah. 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 Do you mind if I ask you if you do you struggle with addictions? Have you become? Uh, I was there an addict for twenty three years. Were you? My goodness! I've been clean fifteen months now. Fantastic! That's amazing. No methadone. I'm off the methadone as well. So, during these this, these hard times that you faced, you've stayed clean. Yeah. No. No heroin. That's that's commendable. That really is commendable. Yeah. Well done. Seriously, well done. How, how did you manage to come off it in the end? Well, I was on 50 mil of meth, yeah. and meth's really hard to come off. So I thought, what I'll do is chuck the meth and have a bag of everything a day. So I did that for a week, and then another week I had half a bag a day, and then I thought, well, what's the point? So I just stopped. My goodness. Yeah. Kind of by yourself. I was a bit ill, but... Yeah. What, when it comes to drugs and, uh, you know, you've been able to have access to your methadone back in the day when you were taking it, is, there, is that easy here? Can you get the support for the drugs very easily while you're on the streets? Yeah, yeah, you get support. Yeah, it's easily accessible. I just think, I think it's, it's, it's one of those situations where homelessness is visible to us every single day. Yeah. Yeah, especially living in Shrewsbury, we see it every single day. But yet... We, we don't ha- hear these conversations enough. We don't feel like we can have these conversations enough. Would you like it if people come up and spoke to you about your issues and, and, and would sit next to you and have conversations yeah, with you? Yeah, yeah, that'd be good, yeah. Yeah? Instead of looking down on me. Yeah. And what do you think when you see people walk by with their nice cars and their nice clothes and their nice life? I'm gutted because when I had my flat, yeah. I had a car, I had everything. My bird... I was going out at weekends, enjoying myself. I lost everything. And then when I left, half of my stuff was still in the flat. They got rid of all my stuff. So I've lost about three grand's worth of stuff out of the flat. My fishing stuff and... They've, had, they've chucked everything they have. Fishing? You like fishing? Yeah. In the river? Yeah. In um, Shrewsbury? Well, no, I've, they've took all my fishing stuff. Oh, and chucked it. They put a notice on the door of my old flat saying I had to get my stuff out by a certain time. But they'd put me in a hotel in Chester, so how can I read it? So I didn't know, you know what I mean? Oh, that's hard, isn't it? It seems to me like they, they're putting things at arm's length away from you all the time. Yeah. You know, if you... If you want, and they've if charged me two and a half grand for eviction. I'm very sorry to hear that. I really am. Um, I just want you to know that there are friends out there for you. Yeah. You know, um, when people are walking by you I mean I will walk past homeless people all the time but I'll also stop and sit and talk yeah usually I'm, I, I, when I get into town I'm like A to B B to A get in and out as quick as possible because uh, being out in public is around people is kind of like not my, my, my big my yeah, strongest I point yeah I don't like that but <laughs> there are people out there that do care yeah okay I don't want you to feel like you're on your own because mm. there are people out there that care um, what would you say to someone listening to this who have very just recently found themselves in the situation you were in 15 months ago being evicted and being on the streets what advice would you give them oh god um, don't change stay yourself get out there and beg and try for a flat you know look for a flat get, get a house yeah but be safe you know it's interesting you say get out there and beg because, you know, with the alternative giving windows, from the town's point of view, there's a real push to get people to donate in other ways and not to give, yeah. not to give directly to people on the street. Yeah. What would you say about that? I don't know. I mean, a lot of people on the street, I know they drink and stuff like that and the money goes on the drink and drugs and whatever. But they've got to eat. You know, they spend the money on food. What about when people bring you food and stuff? Oh, that's great. Money. That, yeah, that's, that's a good thing to do. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Um, I think, I think I've really enjoyed talking to you because I, I, I'm, I'm really happy that 
and kind of understanding your situation yeah. from a compassionate level, you know, mm. from an understanding level. Um, is there anything that you would like to say to the community? Is there anything that you would like to voice? Because I think it's really important that anything you're angry about, anything you're concerned about, anything mm. you're happy about, I think the main thing is just don't judge me. Don't judge homeless people. You know, talk to them, find out what it's about. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Give them a chance. You know, they have addictions for a reason. Yeah. You know, it's an illness. It sounds like you guys go through so much pain every single day. Yeah, it's hard. It's really hard. It's very individual, isn't it? Yeah. Like the reasons that got you to where you are are very different yeah. from reasons that perhaps got other people here mm. today. Um, but I guess that that's for us to recognise that mm. that slippery slope, if you call it that, can happen to all of us. Yeah, yeah. For, for any number of reasons. That's and it, the people that walk past and look down on us, you know, not being funny, it could happen to you. Yeah. Could happen to anybody, a rich person, whatever. Yeah. You know. Just relationships break down, things go wrong and yeah. you can just slip. Mm. Slip off. Yeah. Well thank you so much for talking to us today. okay it really is nice to chat to you and i hope your situation improves i yeah, really do yeah. you know from the bottom of my heart i hope that you get a roof over your head very soon yeah okay, okay thank you thank you very much all right thank you well i gotta say um we have spoken to to three people today but we didn't get one on, on, on record because um she had a heartbreaking story we didn't want to share her details I've got to say some of the stories I've heard today and Katie's here too it makes me angry to think about people that are so judgmental on Facebook and with the comments and stuff now because you really just do not know what these people have been through you have no idea like the, the, the hardship that they've been through and um, the lady we just spoke to is, is, a, is an example of someone you can work hard as hard as you like but you're working in a system that's almost set up for you to fail, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, I, I know I'm lucky and privileged to know everyone you've spoken to today. Um, they are all brilliant people, the proper survivors. I don't think I would be standing here able to tell my story if my story sounded like that. Um, I, you know, we hear these, it's constant, especially here in the art, because people have been let down, let down, let down, and often there is no option for them. Um, the options have never been great, because uh, people will say, oh, they've made really bad choices. Um, you know, if your first choice... Get a job, yeah. Well, if it was the first choice you ever had to make in life, you were six years old, and it was to go home to your abuser, or go to the park to hang out with kids who are abusing drugs or drinking alcohol, um, you know, which choice would you make? Um, that's the first choice of a lot of people that we see. And as well, like, trying to get out of that, you know, we, we've, we heard an example of cuckooing today. And, like, you know, when you're trying to live and to get out of that, and you've got people abusing the, the yeah. place where you live. Extremely vulnerable people. Yeah. And what we see a lot of the time, and we've got a gentleman in here um, this morning, one of our clients, who's, he left his accommodation, council-provided accommodation in Oswald Street because he felt really unsafe in it. And some of the stories he's told about what was going on there, I wouldn't want to live there either. Um, but because he left by choice, uh, he is now, the council now say that there is no duty because he had accommodation they provided, but he's walked out of it voluntarily. So they have no duty to rehouse him. She's effectively a refugee in his own county. He is, yes. But he, he has a car, um, which he's been sleeping in, and he had a, um, a job as a delivery guy for a pizza company. But unfortunately, his car has just packed up today completely. The electrics on it have completely gone. So that is his accommodation and his employment gone and the, the housing is saying they have no duty to support him so there's no temporary accommodation and no permanent accommodation around the corner in order to go for a private landlord he needs to save up for a deposit and now he hasn't got his job so there is a really vicious deposits on private houses are really unattainable at times they are you can apply um, through for, for, for grant funding for that um, oh, can and, you? yeah you can they can often um, through the housing and through the council they can supply that but it usually takes quite a few weeks to come through and in those weeks you are basically street homeless so that's, an, that's saying that it's acceptable for that person to be living on the streets 
it's really very difficult. We've got another client in who, um, he's a much older gentleman, and he has been told that he really only can, he is in temporary accommodation, but he's been in temporary accommodation for over a year. So if you imagine living in a hotel room for over a year, it's no fun, and it's not a nice hotel. Um, and uh, he's been told he can only apply for supported accommodation because he's older um, because of his various needs. But he doesn't have enough income or housing benefit to cover supported accommodation so it's a contradictory totally he's absolutely stuck in a rut we are applying for a personal independence provision for him there's no guarantee you'll get that it's a very rigorous process it takes six to eight weeks um, but that is the only opportunity possibility and that a pip, a pip is actually designed for your extra living costs that you need for the support that it's deemed that you need yeah your various on top of yeah. exactly it's not meant for rent um, but that is the only way he is ever going to be able to afford the type of housing that the council is saying they will provide for him. It's complete nonsense. <laughs> Have there been any positive changes in the systems that are put in place over the last, or however long you've been doing this? Um, or has it always been that bad? I have my knowledge of this sector has really only come in the last six months because I've been much more hands-on. Um, I I do believe I mean it's always been a problem. There was a problem with housing stock. Full stop. I see a lot of very, very good people working within the council and within the housing, um, but they do not have the tools to help people, and it's really, really difficult. And I know that these um, the services that are currently there, which aren't enough, are going to be reduced over the next year because of funds. So we're only going to see less, less availability, less help. Um, and it, it really, really worries me because there are genuinely quite a lot of people out there to which there is no solution in the current range of options that we have in this county. It seems like people get written off, like they, they get seen as the nightmares, the kind of heart sink clients. Yeah. So, so where's compassion in any of them? I mean, I don't, honestly, there isn't really room for compassion within the statutory services. Um, it's very much kind of, um, do you fit into option A, B, C or D? And if you don't, we have nothing for you. Um, that is absolutely the way it appears to be. And I guess that's a lack of funding and a lack of... And also when we talk about um, substance abuse, because people might use that as an excuse, oh, well, you shouldn't, you're on drugs and stuff. What support is there out there for that in well, particular? I mean, is there, there is enough? This, the new, there's this new um, multidisciplinary team called Reset that have just started. I think uh, I met them, yeah. I think I met them. You, yeah, you may well have met them. In a that is a joint, a joint forces, and it's looking basically at a pilot that's government-funded that we're running here in Shropshire. Um, and we really are feeling our way with it. We're kind of hosting it here as we're the safe space for people. But it's for people who have mental health and substance abuse issues and are either homeless or at risk of being homeless. And what it's mental health workers, it's substance abuse support workers um, there's um, uh, social prescribers all sorts of people come in and literally scoop and surround these individuals it's quite intensive support and we've never seen anything like that before and it, it does appear to be doing some good for some people where there's never been anything for them before so I'm really really hopeful about that um, but that's obviously nothing to do with the housing no the housing and, and, and the mental health provision is incredibly incredibly difficult the, the you know if you have somebody come in here who's in a mental health crisis who's threatening to commit suicide and threatening to harm other people which we have on occasion because people are in really dire circumstances and they have um quite extensive um, psychiatric diagnoses that, that are already there and often have been in prison for violence towards people during episodes psychotic episodes that they may have had and they are in this place telling us they're going to hurt themselves or someone else um, there is nothing we've tried I've phoned every single support line crisis access um, the ambulance and the police um, and when you get to the police situation it's literally until they have committed that crime we cannot come out so they you know even they can shout from the rooftops yeah and we've, we saw an incident recently with um, a lady on the bridge um, which I think is I haven't spoken to some of the people about their stories today. You can kind of, once you hear the context and the details and those stories, you can almost relate to. Because if you've, if you've got compassion and you've got empathy and you can put yourself in them situations where you may have lost your kids or you may have lost everything you've ever dreamt, you know. Yeah. Or that's all you, or the abuses are all you've ever known. You probably put yourself in that same situation. And 
it's it's very sad. Yeah, and every door very sad. that you knock on, and we are we are a signposting um, centre really here. We don't have loads and loads of services that we offer from here. We're a day centre. Food, laundry, um, and advice is really what. It's a very nice space. Me and Katie were sitting here talking about how nice this place is and how comfortable we feel here. That's lovely. I mean, it's home. It's home from home for a lot of people. The only home a lot of people have. Um, but you know, and it is. We try and make it a safe and welcoming space. But we know we go through all the options that we are aware of for these people, and we know there are clo- only closed doors for most of the people that come in here. And if you are in a, a bad mental state, um, you have no money at all. You're often self-medicating um, with substances that you shouldn't be. Um, then actually, you can see why they might want to harm themselves because. Where is the hope? Where is the hope in those stories when we we sit there going, um, um, all we can do is give you a sleeping bag and hope that you get through the night and come back for breakfast tomorrow. We often are stuck with that option, and it's it's heartbreaking. Um, when it comes to sleeping rough in town centres. There have been a few tactics by certain councils around wherever. I'm not mentioning any council whatsoever. Mm. I've seen it in many places, but um, places to stop homeless people from sleeping. For example, benches with bars across. Mm. And I saw that 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 thing in Oakengates where it's like, it's like, it's like they're like mini pyramids underneath a bridge, you know. Um, What is, what is this secret? That's not secret. This thing, this, this, against people sleeping in the streets like what what else do they expect them to do i don't understand yeah. it i mean when you're not providing any options it's very difficult isn't it's it it's perplexing but, it really is yeah but i do understand absolutely the point of view of our local business owners especially in the town center of course yeah yep, and it's yep. not nice when your staff are coming in in the morning and they're having to climb over Step someone over, yeah. yeah you don't want to wake someone even if they feel compassion they feel bad um uh, you know but actually some can feel angry and some people when they're woken at who've not slept all night because you don't really sleep on the on the when you're on the streets but you know you you're waking up and actually you might be in a bad mood and it's not pleasant for anybody nobody wants to be sleeping in a doorway um, until we get some better solutions um, that's all they've got I think an important question to ask as well is are you seeing rising numbers in this community yeah without a doubt yeah and, in yeah. scary scary amounts I mean like how is increased recently I mean like in- well it's hard for us to tell because we moved from a much bigger a much smaller premises yeah to of course yeah um, so we were seeing you know like 15 to 20 um, coming in the old set day centre every day and we're up to 50 a day here yeah. not everybody is street homeless but that really doesn't mean that they're not vulnerable or, or extremely likely to be made homeless or sofa serving or, or living in temporary accommodation which isn't a home um, you never know where you're going to get moved next and it's not not a situation anybody wants to be in for very long to be in temporary accommodation. I mean, I definitely think that the council have done an awful lot since COVID, putting people in temporary accommodation and trying. And they've yeah. the, the rough sleeper that team here are, are very good. They have an amazing staff team there, but there really isn't the places to move them on from. That's where you get stuck. So they can be in hotels. It costs a fortune. It's no solution. And. And, and then what's the council meant to do next? You know, we've got to build. I think we've just got to build. Um, and, and, you know, look for different housing solutions, modular housing, shipping container housing, different options. I've seen things, um, you know, in, uh, in, uh, you know, online where they have come solutions for small bits of housing yeah we're uh, on vast areas. You yeah, know. I, know, I know the council are looking at those. Nothing happens quickly and nothing is cheap. Okay, so this episode just kind of ended here because um there are things that um emily needed to attend to there's lots going on at the ark you know it's it's a busy busy place um in a good way and um emily had to go off and 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 um, um you know give her attention somewhere else which is uh which is what she does it's a fantastic so this it kind of just ended here but um to add a note onto this episode in particular of course, it's not easy to sit and listen to these stories, but it's also really important to just to document these people's lives in, in a in a in a way that just to show you guys that it's not always as plain as go and get a job or um, you know stay off the drugs. That there are situations that um, require a little bit of insight and a little bit of understanding, and um, this is the best way we can do this is by uh, giving these people. Um, a voice. Uh, thank you so much to Katie Rink for joining us. Um, 
she was fantastic. She's so wonderful. We complimented so each, each of us so well. I'd ask questions that she didn't think of, and she'd ask questions that I didn't think of. Um, so it was great to have her expertise uh, alongside me on this one. Um, again, uh, please support the ARC in any way you can, uh, whether it's uh, just give them a follow on Facebook um, and, you know, check them out on everything. And if there's a way so you can help out, you know, please do, um, because Shrewsbury is for everybody. Um, and that is literally everybody. It's not just your town. It's not just my town. It's everybody's town. And um, the Shrewsbury Arc make uh, make it possible for uh, people to survive. Um, and, you know, this was a great so thank you so much for choosing it, tuning in. Um, if you're listening to the Shrewsbury Biscuit podcast for the first time, please give us a follow on social media. The Shrewsbury Biscuit podcast is on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, and it's on LinkedIn and on TikTok too. We do quite a bit for an audio-only podcast. Ha. Ha. For an audio-only podcast, we look quite good on uh, on the visuals there. To, so give us a follow. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will catch you guys next time. Peace out. <laughs> <laughs>